Scott Colborn with Exploring Unexplained Phenomena. That mic stand kind of squeaking. That was Jim saying good morning. Yeah, I'm the squeaky wheel. Jim, how are you? I'm great. How are you? What was that band that we were listening to? That was Enigma. That was my uh, part of my special spooky mix for the month of October. They were a new recording? Uh, that The last tune was. That, that was off their fourth CD, Moon. And uh, prior to that, we had uh, The Fortress and Midnight Star, which are off previous releases. I think she does one kind of spooky song per CD. That would be Carolyn Olson, the vocalist. Dave Epp, the guitar player, mm-hmm. a local band uh, that plays around southeast Nebraska. They allow us to use their music on the show, the official music of Exploring Unexplained Phenomena. Hey, how are you, ladies and gentlemen? What's going on in your neck of the woods? We've got folks listening all over the world. It's sure great to know that you're out there. Um, This is sort of our birthday. It's actually October 27th, two weeks from now, but Mm -hmm. we may be busy then, so I guess we can start celebrating right now. It's, It's actually the 34th anniversary of Exploring Unexplained Phenomena. Wow. Back there in the counter, Jim, I've got the original cassette tape from the first show from October 27th, 1984. That's amazing. That's a, I wonder what people were doing in our listening audience 34 years ago. Well, I remember what I was doing, where I was working and whatnot, and uh, uh, it was a a co-worker, hi Russ, if you're listening, that uh, first turned me on to EUP back uh, shortly after that first show. So happy birthday, Exploring Unexplained Phenomena, and it's great to know, folks, that you're out there. We're going to start the program today with Charlene and Pet Talk, and she should be right there through the miracle of phone communication. Charlene, how are you? I'm doing great. How are you? Um, I am just uh, pushing my limits is what I'm doing. I'm just slugging coffee (laughs) down, and I'm grateful to be here. Tell us what's going on at the Capital Humane Society. Uh, We have lots of great animals looking for homes, a lot of cats, some dogs, some smaller animals. So if you're ready to add a companion to your life, we hope you'll consider adoption and visit us at our Pylock Pet Adoption Center. The 32nd Annual Tails and Ties Dinner is coming up Friday, October 26th. Tell us more. So it's an event that's very important to us. We are a nonprofit agency, so we rely on the community to support our work. And we have this event. Again, it's the 32nd annual. Um, you can buy tickets and learn more on our website at capitalhumanesociety.org. It's a really fun night where people can participate in a live auction, a silent auction, and just gather with other animal lovers and share good stories. And uh, this is kind of our birthday month of 34 years for the uh, radio show. What were you doing 34 years ago? 1984. Oh <laughs> um, I think I was in college, so doing the college thing. Oh, you're just a young filly. <laughs> Scott and I were out hard working those, in those years, weren't we, Scott? Well, sort of. Well, sort of. <laughs> <laughs> hard, my, hard playing in your case. My how time flies when we're having fun. Yeah, you bet. It does. Charlene joins us uh, uh, historically on the, on the uh, first segment here of the show. This is Pet Talk 
we talk about dogs and cats for adoption. And I've got the cats for adoption uh, page queued up here. You guys and gals all over the world, specifically, and uh, more so in Lincoln, Nebraska, follow along at CapitalHumaneSociety.org. And who's our first cat? We're going to start with Benji, a very cute orange tabby cat, two years old, a neutered male, has short, shiny fur. Uh, he looks like he's very interested in what the photographer has. <laughs> She's usually dangling a toy or, or, or uh, has a little noisemaker toy. So Benji is very engaging, very cute, ready to find a new home. Either that or it's, you want me to do what in that box? <laughs> That one paws lifted up. She's getting ready oh, to yeah. probably bat that toy. Mm-hmm. Benji. B-E-N-J-I. Benji, what a first great cat. Two cats are better than one. So how about... Next up is Poppy. And Poppy's just beautiful. A one-year-old spade female, a domestic short hair. Uh, she's very clever in her pictures. You can see that she's also very um, engaged, uh, very curious about what's going on. If you're looking for just a very sweet sidekick, we hope you'll ask about Poppy. Yeah, she's a pretty kitty. Uh-huh. One of my favorite restaurants in Estes Park is Poppy's, so there you go. Oh, well, there you go. Benji and Poppy, and she is a great-looking cat. Who's our third cat? We'll talk about Wynn. And Wynn is on page four of our cats, so we have a lot of great cats looking for homes. Wynn is black and white and cute all over. He's four years old, <laughs> uh, ready to be a really fun friend. Um, he's a little bit shy, so sometimes when you come to visit, he may be hiding behind his little solid silver piece. But if you just talk nicely, he comes out and says hello, and he's obviously photogenic and yeah, just really cute. Yeah. I think uh, fans of the old cartoons would probably call that a Sylvester cat. <laughs> very, very handsome fella. Uh-huh. Harlan Coben writes a series of books with the uh, protagonist, Myron Bolotar, and his best friend that is an extraordinary guy uh, is named Wynn. So I always like mm -hmm. that name, Wynn. Benji, Poppy, and Wynn. And I think I'm, I'm going to interject here. If you like pictures of cute kittens, in the upper left corner of that first page is... That little guy is just adorable, and you can tell he uh, thinks he thinks he's a little lion. Uh -huh, well, are you yeah. going to leave us dangling? What's his name? What's I don't actually know that one's we, we name. Don't have I'm his sorry, name, we have but, uh, we, we have lots of the first, cute kittens. First page, though, eight first weeks page. to six months. But it's just an adorable picture, and it it really grabs the eye. I think. Oh, I see. Yeah. He, his or her name, it's three and one. It's kittens, kittens, kittens. <laughs> <laughs> kittens, kittens, kittens. Oh. So Jim pulled an audible, but there's great cats and kittens, kittens, kittens out there, too. So, Charlene, uh, what are hours open today and tomorrow? Please visit us at our Pylock Pet Adoption Center. We are open Saturday and Sunday from 11 to 530. Dogs for adoption, they're up next. Next, we have Wiley, and Wiley is a very handsome collie, oh, five years old, a neutered male. He's just a really calm, intelligent dog looking for a great family that will provide him with exercise and attention. Um, so if you're interested in a collie, now is the time to meet Wiley. 
Okay, my mind went to Wiley Coyote there, but uh, this is a little bit different. <laughs> Great dogs. Yeah. Okay, Wiley is joined by. And then the next two are Scooby and Missy May, and they <laughs> sure are, are a perfect. <laughs> and they are a perfect pair, so they need to find a home together. They're both 12 years old. Um, they're both Chihuahua Terrier mixes. Scooby is a neutered male, and Missy May is a, a spade female. And again, they've been together for years, and we want them to continue to be together in a happy new home. Um, they seem house-trained, okay with cats, okay with dogs. Um, so super nice and ready to find that forever home. So you can start on your very own Scooby gang there. <laughs> Okay, Scooby and Missy May, two dogs, uh, need a special family, maybe somebody like you. And our third dog is? We'll just go ahead and do another plug for Baby Girl, looking for a great home. She's two years old, a shepherd pit bull mix, looking for people that have time to provide her with plenty of exercise and playtime and proper care. Uh, if you're interested, we hope you'll come visit us today. Yeah, folks, uh, take a look at that wonderful face of that dog, baby girl. CapitalHumaneSociety.org. She really deserves uh, to go home mm -hmm. this weekend, and I'd love to hear from one of you that, that that's happened. Especially take a look at baby girl. She's almost going to celebrate uh, a year being out at the Capital Humane Society. So she's been waiting for that right person, that right family, and hopefully that's you. Okay, so we've got Wiley, Scooby, and Missy May, and Baby Girl. What are your hours open again today and tomorrow? Our Pylock Pet Adoption Center is open today and tomorrow from 11 to 5.30. Okay, Charlene, thank you so much for all that you do, and uh, happy birthday, EUP. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> happy birthday. I'm Scott Colborn with Jim Shorty, and we are exploring unexplained phenomena. This is our birthday month. Uh, we turn 34 years old as of October 27th, and it's been just an incredible experience. Uh, I am so grateful to be here. It gives me a place to go on Saturday mornings and drink strong coffee, hang out with Jim and with you folks. And uh, one of the bonuses is that we get to talk with people from all over the world. Today's guest is Prema Lee Guerrero, and she's going to join us talking about your sacred wealth code. And when I first started reading her book, I thought to myself, okay, this is another sort of um, airy-fairy, pie-in-the-sky, you know, think it and it'll be true. But she's got really solid points, really interesting points about the definition of wealth and how to claim a heritage that lies right there waiting for you. And I'm sure it'll be an interesting conversation. Paula Harris is on location in New Mexico, and we can't reach her today. She would normally be here. So, Jim, uh, I'm going to call up her website if you can take over the microphone for a moment here. Okay. I'm, uh, I'm sitting here looking at these cards that uh, Premier Lee Guerrero sent with here. What are uh, they? They are awesome is what they are uh sacred sacred wealth code oracle cards and if you can imagine your typical tarot cards are about the size of playing cards or a little bit larger these are probably 
two or three times the size of uh, a typical tarot card. They're not tarot cards, although there's, I think, some commonality there, but they are just beautiful. And uh, <laughs> I was a little bit distracted here, I'll have to admit, looking at them. But uh, I think this is going to be a fascinating guest today, and I'm really looking forward to hearing her. Paula Harris is the brains behind the Starworks USA UFO Symposium. And whenever I talk about these events, these are open to the public. They're not just for select few people. Uh, the event is uh, November 2nd through the 4th. And uh, it'll be in uh, Laughlin, Nevada. Typically, people fly into Las Vegas and then either carpool or, in my case, rent a car and drive down to Laughlin. <clears throat> it's about an hour and a half south of uh, Las Vegas. And we'll convene there over the weekend, people from all over the world, for this Starworks uh, UFO Symposium. I'm looking at the main front page here at StarworksUSA.com. And uh, there's going to be a Saturday night gala banquet, which is always fun. I grab a bunch of people and say, come sit over here and we have a great conversation. Daytime Emmy award-winning director Sid Goldberg will be discussing the movie Chariot of the Gods and the Gaia TV series on Eric Von Doniken. And it'll be followed by a free screening of that movie, Chariots of the Gods. So that'll be uh, something fun to look forward to. I have to, the way they have this board set up is I've got to lean away from the microphone to <laughs> grab, <laughs> grab the, uh, the mouse. Thursday, November 1st, it opens up with registration and there'll be an opening ceremony with Danny Many Horses and Lori Safarin. And one of the things that uh, is a theme that's important to remember for this conference this year, the theme typically changes year after year. Uh, this is Return of the Star People, messages from the past, present, and future. Friday, there's registration. Um, There'll be a morning meditation by Karen Gresham Nickel, a keynote speech by Grant Cameron um, on presidential UFO stuff and also close encounters and contact, Paula Harris on the Native American symbolism of Devil's Tower and Bear Mountain, and Jim, this is one event that I look forward to. We've got the lunch break if folks sign up for it, it's an all-you-can-eat pizza buffet. Well, lunch is always the fun part, isn't it? I mean, not the most fun part, but what I'm trying to say is lunch is always a lot of fun. Serena Wright-Taylor is after that, and then Taryn Power-Green Deer. Emery Smith, who was a recent emerging whistleblower, talking about working at Area 51 and as a biospecialist working on tissue samples. And that tissue is from ETs. Uh, there'll be a cocktail party that evening. And uh, everybody's encouraged to wear green. That's the color theme this year. 
At 7 o'clock, 7.30 that night, the first night, Friday night, there'll be a documentary film, Making Contact, Be Inspired. On Saturday, the event kicks off with an experiencer, oh, excuse me, an experiencer session led by Gwen Farrell. And this is for folks that believe they've had close encounter experiences. Gwen is a past guest on the program, and she's really amazing. She is a, uh, a hypnotherapist, and she works uh, with a lot of people that have had close encounters and the issues that might come up, as you would imagine, with that form of contact. Danny Sheehan, uh, defending the water protectors. Uh, he's up next. Jan Harzon, who is the director of the Mutual UFO Network, We'll give a talk called Consciousness and UFOs. And then the all-you-can-eat taco bar, which is a really fun thing. There'll be a Q&A with Emery Smith. And Steve Mara then from Phenomena Magazine is up about 2.45 on Saturday afternoon. Ricardo Gonzalez from Peru. Always an interesting conversation. There is an interpreter because he doesn't speak English, and they do a great job of transmitting what he's saying as well as some of the humor that he imparts. This is a man that's had face-to-face contact with um, other sentient life forms. And when he describes them, it's hard to call them really aliens. That conjures up, I think, an image that may not be appropriate. Uh, Space people may be another way to describe the folks that he's talked with and in contact with. Okay, so that night, there'll be Saturday night, the big gala dinner with the film uh, Chariots of the Gods. Sunday morning, we kick off again with another experiencer session uh, led by Gwen Farrell. Uh, Karen Gresham Nickel is then going to do a guided meditation connecting to the cosmos. The Navajo Rangers, these guys are police officers. They're up next from 9.30 to 10.30 on Sunday morning. And then Birgit Noss, who's been researching uh, very unusual earth shapes and pyramids and things in some of the most out-of-the-way places she's found these. There'll be an open lunch and then Clifford Mahoudi, finally a closing panel with many of the speakers and closing remarks. So it'll be over sometime between 4.30 and 5.30 on Sunday afternoon. So it's jam-packed. Um, if you look me up, I will be there from Thursday through Sunday. I'd love to uh, shake your hand if you're one of the listeners of EUP. And... Um, I'll be helping, as I can, Paula Harris doing some of the introduction work from the stage for some of the speakers and some of the uh, events and things. So, hope to see you there at the Starworks USA UFO Symposium. The website is very easy to find. It's Starworks. That's S-T-A-R-W-O-R-K-S, StarworksUSA.com. I'm Scott Colborn. And we will take a break and be back in just a little bit with our main guest today, Prema 
Lee Grary, the author of Your Sacred Wealth Code and the Sacred Wealth Code Oracle Cards. Jim, we've uh, got great coffee here. We, we do. hope the listeners have got something appropriate in their uh, beverage containers. Let's all take a sip and hear some music from Enigma. Happy birthday, exploring unexplained phenomena. We'll be right back. Lincoln, Nebraska, KZUM Lincoln, and KZUM HD. Support for KZUM comes from the Nebraska Recycling Council, helping to protect the natural environment and extend the life of our landfill, reminding Lincoln and Lancaster County that corrugated cardboard will not be accepted at the landfill. For more on recycling services and area drop-off sites, nrcne.org or 406 2384. This program is made possible in part by a grant from the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. The full moon lights the silver rails winding around dark mountains and over steep gorges of jagged rock in one freezing cold rushing black mountain river. I wish there was enough time to describe all of the funny twists and turns that led up to now, but there isn't enough time because there's a ticking clock and the two passengers we care most about don't know anything about it. To see what happens next, visit read.gov to read The Exquisite Corpse, a riveting adventure pieced together by John Sheska, Shannon Hale, Daniel Handler, and other popular authors. Explore new worlds. Read. Brought to you by the Library of Congress and the Ad Council. My name is Manny Morales. I'm 45 and I coach youth football. It's still hard to believe because the high school me was a work in progress. But big brothers, big sisters give me a real role model. And the young me needed a role model bad. My bigger brother's name is Ray, and Ray is the reason that this seven-year-old grows up to be a role model himself. Whether you donate money or time, you're helping Big Brothers Big Sisters help a child. Start something today at BigBrothersBigSisters.org. Brought to you by Big Brothers Big Sisters and the Ad Council. Far from the din of commercial culture and just this side of the abstract is a place I call Mesoterra. I'm Vic Valverde, your tour guide for an eclectic musical excursion on a program called Mesoterra. Saturdays, 12 noon until 1.30, right here on KZUM. The Polka Show! That's right, Lincoln's own polka show. Every Monday morning from 10 a.m. to 11.30. Right here on KZUM 89.3 FM or KZUM.org. Be there or be square. (laughs) (laughs) 
Yes, folks, it is true. Those of us that live here in Nebraska enjoy a polka now and then. Scott Colborn with Exploring Unexplained Phenomena, and it's sure great to be with you, whether you're at the workplace or just kicking around home. Jim Shorty is here, and we've got some really strong Jack Reacher coffee. The author, Lee Child, has got a series with the character Jack Reacher, and I think the, the 14th or 16th word in the first novel was the word coffee. And so Reacher sort of subsists on that and uh, will and grit. So an enterprising company has put out, with Lee Child's blessing, uh, the official Jack Reacher coffee. And I'm a huge fan of Lee Child and his writing, so I had to, uh, had to get some. So Jim and I are experiencing yet again the wonderful effects of Jack Reacher coffee. And good coffee it is. Uh, thank you very much for sharing it, Scott. The Premier League Rary is committed to creating a world where everyone is empowered to live on purpose in a way that's aligned with their high-value gifts and their birthright of true prosperity. Prema is a leading Vedic astrologer, soul advisor, consultant, and energy practitioner with lots of years of experience, and she is the author of Your Sacred Wealth Code, Unlock Your Soul Blueprint for Prosperity, excuse me, for Purpose and Prosperity, and also your Sacred Wealth Code Oracle Cards. She's a first-time guest. Let's put our hands together if you're not driving, and wish her well. Here's Prema Lee Guerreri. Hi, good morning. Hi, hi, Scott. Thanks for having me. I'm really thrilled to be with you today. Tell us where you were, uh, we're speaking to you from. I am just south of Seattle, Washington. And how is that part of the country doing today? You know, it's gorgeous here. Uh, we are having the October weather we dream of. Um, low 60s, sunny days, a little bit of breeze. I live on the water, and it is, uh, just, I can have gorgeous view already today, and I'm grateful. We actually had a bunch of what typically people would, would think of as Seattle weather. Um, <laughs> last week, we had uh, seven, eight, nine days of just rain, overcast skies, and uh so now we have that same weather here. It's, it's uh, going to be low 60s today, very little sunny, wind, bright sun. Beautiful and, day today. Oh, I've got and, a, uh, I've got a lawn to mow that is calling me after the radio show here. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're looking at having our first snowfall tomorrow, so that's how quickly it can change. Yeah, did you hear what Jim just said, Prema? We actually are going to yeah, go from, yeah. from this beautiful day that you've just described also to um, our first snowfall tomorrow night, so that'll be fun. Um, yeah, that is the, you know, that's the reminder of really the universe we're living in. It's a really constant change. Mm -hmm. uh, may, I, may I call you Prema by, by that designated first name here? Please. Okay, and did I say your last name correctly? It's, is it Guerreri? You got it right, yeah. Okay. Uh, I want you to think back, Prema, to when you were a little girl uh, did you have an experience that you can think back and, and reflect on that maybe gave you a glimpse of what you would be growing up and doing later on? Mm. Yes. 
uh, at the time, of course, I didn't realize that's what it was. But um, And it's kind of a series of experiences where when I was young, I was just challenges. Uh, there was like a situation where there was really no adults around and it really would have been great if some adults would have been around. So I had to figure out what to do in the situation and there wasn't any guidance. So I, I always found that there was this, like the, the voice was inside of me. I heard what to do and I would just, and I just did that and I would trust that. And that really over the years has come to be ultimately a big part of what I'm here for, what I do, and what I help others with, which is really trusting their own inner guidance. Yeah. And it really was just the universe putting me in, in situations, again, that were just big challenges, and there was nothing on the outside of me to give me the direction. Mm-hmm. It, you found, I'm sure, Prima, from your work with people, that um, it may be something that you can access and rely upon that trust that's a great guidance mechanism. But a lot of people, it's very difficult for them to trust themselves because somehow they've been disempowered. Absolutely right. It's, it's, it's really, um, it, they've been disempowered in a lot of ways. And, mm-hmm. you know, one of the ways, you know, we go through our own upbringing, our environment, our traumas, whether we were taught to trust ourselves or not, or even have the time to figure that out. But also we have so much cultural programming coming at us that we're not necessarily conscious we're signing up for that really jams our circus, circuits on, or I like to say your trust circuits. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I choose to not watch TV. I've got TV sets in my house that just basically remain blank. If the Nebraska football team is sometimes on uh, TV and I've got the time, I might watch part of a football game, but otherwise the TV stays dark. I remember being younger, Prima, that watching TV there seemed to be uh, some stereotypes that were really being reinforced that were not true at all. And uh, I'm sure that women can reflect on a lot of the things that they've seen on TV. A lot of the commercials for guys portrayed guys as dumb, clueless, <laughs> doing things that, that you would normally not do. And people would, you know, would call you on that, but it's presented as being sort of, that's just what guys do. But they still do that. Right. They still right. do that all the time. <laughs> that that yeah. has not changed. So we have these, these reinforcements that a lot of us uh, get. Uh, I've been doing talks this month on the paranormal uh, with our proximity to Halloween. And Premo, I've talked about some of the big myths about the paranormal. One of them is, I call it Hollywood horror. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, that, you know, we, I'm old enough that we got together when we were kids, Prema, and we watched Saturday Night Fright Flicks. Okay, think about that title, Fright Flicks. Oh, yeah. That's designed to titillate, to scare you. Uh, and we're in the dark, munching on popcorn, cuddled together, watching these monster movies. And so a lot of people think of the paranormal nowadays as scary, as frightening, as out to get us. And it's a, it's a myth. I'm sure... It is. It's you, totally a myth. You know, I, my sisters were the, um, the girls in the room watching that. And I was the girl outside of there scared to watch those things. <laughs> 
Oh, my daughter, God bless you, uh, Melissa. When she was a little girl, we first watched The Wizard of Oz, and when the monkeys Uh came on the screen, she ran out of the room and then stood and peeked around the corner. And whenever she saw the monkeys, she would duck back out of sight. (laughs) Well, that's that's they were scary, and you know my son, uh, he would do that with the hyenas in The Lion King. Mm-hmm. Same, you know, similar energy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, how did you first chart the course that you find yourself on now? Um, you had, uh, as I understand it, was it a pretty pretty regular normal upbringing? Um. Yes and no. <laughs> so. In the time that, um, in the days that I was a kiddo, uh, you know, where I lived, we lived in Southern California and we had a lot of freedom. Um, I had horses, we had other animals, we were just out the door. And it was pretty regular upbringing until about, I want to say until about 10 years old. And, and I have to say, my parents, they gave me a lot of freedom, which I really am grateful for. And at the same time, they kept you know, pretty good tabs on us, too. But we did have room to roam and explore, which I think kids need, and it's harder these days to give them that. Uh, but at that point, things really started to fall apart within my family, so us kids needed to be there, three of us, more what, self-reliant. What, what happened? Well, so my parents, uh, my parents ended up getting a divorce, but before they did, it was interesting because me and my sisters were sitting around the table because we had kind of this ideal, happy family, and we were saying wow, wouldn't that be weird if mom and dad, or I was saying, wouldn't it be weird if mom and dad got divorced? Well, the next day, they told us they were getting a divorce. Mm -hmm. My intuitive, you know, sense there. Um, So in that splitting up, we had even more freedom, but we also had a huge amount of responsibility. Um, I grew up, you know, paying for food for myself and clothes very, very young in life, living on my own very young. And uh, so I had this sense of independence and, again, having to rely on that, inner nature uh so that also had me turn to in my early teens a a spiritual path which really started with with yoga and that whole branch of of spirituality Mm -hmm. and um uh tell us about your experience with yoga yeah so i was well i was a dancer first Uh, i was into jazz dance and i used to uh i had to i got out of high school really early because I figured high school was pretty stupid because I wasn't do, I wasn't trying that hard and I was getting really good grades. So I got out um, I got out on the California State Proficiency Exam and I was already working a full time job at that time. So I went to the junior college right away. So this is like right when I was sixteen, and I was dancing and I was in the dance program. But I'd have to walk past this yoga student, the yoga class, and it was I was just shocked because it was so competitive in the dance world and I had no idea what I was getting into mm-hmm. but the yoga class looked pretty darn chill to me so one day I just was fed up with the whole dance situation and I, I wandered into the yoga class talked to the teacher after class and she said sure you know join in and I just immediately felt at home mm-hmm. I felt at home within my own skin I felt at home in um, actually having some time to um, get more intimate, and I wouldn't put it in those words in those days, but with what I was feeling and sensing inside of myself mm-hmm. and what I already knew about the body because I was I was pretty fascinated with this whole amazing vehicle of experience that we have, uh, the body. And so from there, I really started to dive in just into 
you know, deeper study and um, as far as yoga goes. And the asana part of yoga is only one piece of it. Uh, but it is kind of the seduction, especially in the Western world, to sort of get us into the other aspects of yoga. Uh, dispel one of the myths about yoga. A lot of us that have a, a working knowledge at arm's length from yoga, when we think of yoga, we think of somebody in a contortionist pose that we could never do. And so people unfairly, a lot of us have that view of yoga. Is that accurate? Yeah. No, it's not at all. And there's another whole, like, more modern-day um, version of, you know, that it's got to be in a hot, sweaty room, and you've, you're going to, you know, get this, uh, you know, amazing workout being in a pretzel pose. So, no, yoga, and when I had my yoga center, Yoga and Beyond the Yoga of Life, uh, my philosophy is yoga is for everybody, and there is a way to make yoga and the poses of yoga available for for everybody so that you can get the benefit, the not only the structural alignment and what it does on that level, but physiologically and also um, emotionally, mentally, and uh, potentially spiritually just because it's bringing you into the present moment, and that's really where it all happens. Mm-hmm. So in my teaching of yoga, I always used um, props and such. Like my husband is, um, you know, he's he's 6'1 and a little over 200 pounds, and he, um, you know, I always I tease him in the morning where he's straining to bend down to pick up something off the floor. I said, oh, morning yoga for you. He's not very flexible. and uh, But there are, you know, he does yoga. There's ways that he does yoga and really does enjoy it because we use, you know, props and such to do that. So it's very, and it's a unique practice for everyone. And it's really meant to find your own way in as opposed to do, again, some stereotypical, you know, version of what it should be. Mm-hmm. So you, you dove into uh, yoga, um, studied it, you began to teach it, you had uh, a business that you founded, you had uh, at one time multiple centers, and you were really, uh, had a lot of balls up in the air trying to keep them going. Uh, Then what happened? Yeah. Um, And there was a blip in there where I had children and went cruising on a sailboat for several years and lived that life too. Uh, although, and yoga was in the background. But when I had my yoga center, Yoga and Beyond the Yoga of Life, uh, and I really felt like I was completely on purpose mm-hmm. and um, really answering my calling and really using my gifts. And I was to a great extent. I was teaching teachers in my own methods. Um, I had a center where people could come and get healing from different practitioners and had built a, a beautiful community. Um, but something was was a mess, and because my even though I felt I was on purpose, and there was a good amount of I mean this was a six figure business in sales, there was a good amount of money running through the business, but not a lot was was coming to me, so I was missing out on that um, personal prosperity piece. So I really was trying to figure that piece out and tried a lot of different things and a lot of. Uh, practices on the inside out practices, you know, and on the practical side, you know, marketing this and that. And eventually it came to a point where I was really faced with having tried many things, selling the center, getting a partner, turning it into a nonprofit. My landlord would not let me downsize. I had some other forces I was working with that made it very hard for me to keep 
the center as it was or to keep it going. And one day I was came up to uh, unlock the door, and this was really a beautiful state-of-the-art yoga center. It was gorgeous. And I realized that, wow, I'm going to have to let this all go. And I've been getting that tap on the shoulder, two by four on the head. Um, <laughs> but I really got it that, I mean, I went to unlock the door one day and I just sort of stopped in my tracks mm-hmm. and was overwhelmed with the uh, emotion of, of loss, you know, just dropped to my knees in tears. And I realized, you know what, I'm doing, I'm working against myself trying to hold, I'm trying to hold on too tight here. And I really got the message I needed to let it go. And that was heartbreaking. And it was also, I felt really vulnerable and I felt super exposed in doing that. Um, but I did. And I was really, at, and my marriage had just fallen apart the year before that. So now I'm a, a single mom, a couple of kids, you know, this, this business that I'm having to make some big choices about. And then, so then I've wondered, like, am I even doing what I'm supposed to be doing? So when I let the center go, I was really, it was a dark night of my soul. And if any of you are in one or have been in, most of us have been, you know, it's a point where you, in the outer world, there are just no great solutions and you have nowhere to go except for inside and to find out where the light's going to turn on for you or where you need to turn your light on. So I vowed to stay on my knees until I figured this out. Where, where am I off? Where am I out of alignment here? Mm-hmm. And so that's exactly what I did. I closed the center. I did go into, um, I took a break at that time and eventually went into private practice and built my business a completely different way. But in that break, I really uh, looked at through Vedic astrology, through um, my ability for pattern and energy clearing and really looking at that. And I started to see where I was off off purpose and off prosperity. I was what I now call your sacred wealth code, which really evolved from me going through that dark night of the soul. I became aware of where I was not in alignment with my purpose and prosperity, and that's where your sacred wealth code actually lives. I was stuck in some of the shadow aspects of my sacred wealth code instead of standing fully in those gifts. And I was also not utilizing part of my sacred wealth code. Instead, I was really using what I am good at, administration, uh, and I've been hired for that. Um, I, know how, I know what needs to be done, where it needs to be done, but my problem was I was not, uh, I didn't create a team to help me do all this, except for a few teachers. I was doing it all on my own. But from my upbringing, just to, to circle back for a second, I had to live really independently early, and that's what I learned and I had to unlearn that and release my fears around actually um, allowing others to support me, be able to ask for help. And and, and I had other um, patterns to clear and I'm still clearing, you know, where I'm stuck in my shadow because it's, a, it's an ongoing process. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's so important, I think, for people to hear the background that you graciously have offered us because um, I have a great deal of trust in somebody like yourself that is a wounded healer. I personally have very little trust in somebody who has been allowed to sit uh, on sort of a chair and uh, pontificate about the state of the human condition without ever really having themselves 
up to their elbows and then some in that same human condition. There are spiritual teachers that have offered great gifts and kernels of truth and yet have never been in the same situation that they're advising people about uh, because of either affluence or being protected by that. Uh, And so I really appreciate you taking time to share that. Uh, What I want the guys and gals and the kids in the audience to hear is that there are a lot of people, Prema, right now going through that dark night of the soul. And it's so important for people like you and I that have gone through that to tell them, hang on, don't check out until the movie's over because we haven't seen within. It's so, so, so true. You know, when you're in that dark night of the soul, um, it doesn't look like you have any other choices. And when you're in a room where the lights are off, you know, you might not even be aware of where the door is or how many windows it has. So you, you really don't know where to go. But when you turn the lights on, oh, you can see, oh, well, I have this option and then I have that option. And it's one of the things I also love about my practice of Vedic astrology because I can look at someone's soul blueprint and I can say, hey, yeah, well, this is not a great time for what you want it to be for and it's not going to last forever. But let's find out what it is good for and let's get after that right now because it's good for something. So if we could always lean into our challenges or if you're in that position right now, there is a blessing, and I'm not being Pollyanna, but there is a blessing in what you're going through. And if you look back at your life, you can see, oh, yeah, that was a that was a crap time. But boy, that was I see what I got from that. Well, lean into what you're going through because it's in there and you'll get it a lot sooner. And one of the ways to do that is just start being grateful for what it is that's you are experiencing and keep asking, what do I need to know here? What's my next step? What's my lesson in this? Whatever questions come up, just keep asking. Before we go to the break here, Prima, um, if I would have your permission to do so, I've got your sacred wealth oracle cards here in my hand. And I'd like to have Jim pick one of these cards. We're thinking of all the people listening right now that have heard your words so far. Let's pick a card, and Jim, you tell us what you see in the card, and then maybe after the break, we can come back and talk more about that. Sure. Prema, would that, awesome. be, would that be okay with you? Yeah, that's great. That's wonderful. Okay, yeah. Jim, I'm going to hand the deck to you. I've shuffled them up. Yeah, gonna I, have I, you, I watched you do it. Yep, going to have you pick a card. <laughs> without, without looking at the deck, I'm going to pick a card out. And there it is. Jim has picked the card. It's beautiful, by the way. Yeah, the artwork on these is gorgeous. And it says, the sage, parentheses, Jupiter. There's a picture of a beautiful white owl that is looking at the, the viewer here. And it says, the truth will set me free. We're talking with our guest, first-time guest, Prema Lee Guerreri. And she's the author of Your Sacred Wealth Code, Unlock Your Soul Blueprint for Purpose and Prosperity. And as I just mentioned, Your Sacred Wealth Code Oracle Cards. Her website is Solutionary, and that's the word soul, S-O-U-L-U-T-I-O-N, 
A-R-O-Y, solutionary.com. You'll also find Prema Lee Guerreri on Facebook, and her last name is spelled G-U-R-R-E-R-I. I'm Scott Colborn with Jim Shorney, our special guest, Prema Lee Guerreri, and you guys and gals out there all over the world. It's great to know that you're out there. Stay tuned. We'll be right back after this. And oh, by the way, (laughs) happy birthday, exploring unexplained phenomena. You're looking good at 34 years. Voice of the Blues in Lincoln, Nebraska, KZUM Lincoln and KZUM HD. Support for KZUM comes from family-owned and operated Butheris Mason and Love Funeral Home at 40th and A Streets in Lincoln, offering services that allow families to plan ahead according to personal wishes, chapel facilities to accommodate all faiths, and grief support materials for the family following a service. More information is available at 402-488-0934 and online at bmlfh.com. And NET, Nebraska's PBS and NPR stations, hosting the national radio broadcast of the Music and Variety Show, live from here with Chris Thiele, featuring special guests Wilco frontman Jeff Tweedy and comedian Todd Berry at the Lead Center in Lincoln on Saturday, October 27th. Ticket information at leadcenter.org or 402-472-4747. The full moon lights the silver rails winding around dark mountains and over steep gorges of jagged rock and one freezing cold rushing black mountain river. I wish there was enough time to describe all of the funny twists and turns that led up to now, but there isn't enough time because there's a ticking clock and the two passengers we care most about don't know anything about it. To see what happens next, visit read.gov to read The Exquisite Corpse, a riveting adventure pieced together by John Sheska, Shannon Hale, Daniel Handler, and other popular authors. Explore new worlds. Read. Brought to you by the Library of Congress and the Ad Council. Far from the din of commercial culture and just this side of the abstract is a place I call Mesoterra. I'm Vic Valverde, your tour guide for an eclectic musical excursion on a program called Mesoterra. Saturdays, 12 noon until 1.30, right here on KZUM. Scott Colborn with our special guest, Prema Lee Guerreri. Uh, Prema, we drew out right before the break there a card from your sacred um, wealth code oracle deck. And we pulled out this beautiful card that is titled The Sage. And parentheses, it says Jupiter. Um, how do these cards connect with your work at helping people to live dynamically and fully? So in your sacred wealth code, uh, it really is this intersection in your soul blueprint as I've looked at it through Vedic astrology. And actually there's a scientific part of it. Well, Vedic astrology is very scientific, but it's an art to read it. Uh, there is an aspect of where your purpose and your prosperity planets come together. And that's literally where we find wealth. And wealth really means whatever it is we need to fulfill our purpose. That's what it means in in my terms. And that's very unique to each one of us. Now, at that intersection is your 
sacred wealth code, which is really your highest value gift. We have a lot of gifts, but the gifts, when you use those gifts, your unique high value superpowers, and that you'll actually not only get recognition from the world for using them, and that doesn't always mean you're going to, you know, win a prize or be on a stage, but you're going to, uh, you're going to know, the world's going to respond back to you that, oh yeah, we need this. Yeah. It's like your, your highest value gifts are a key that unlock something in the world that only you can unlock and you've come here to do that. And your sacred wealth code arc, um, archetypes. After doing this for a long time and helping people understand what their high-value gifts are, the archetypes just sort of dropped in, and I was very grateful for that because when I say, you know, archetypes is a soul language, and when I say, you know, like you pick the sage, the sage, everyone has a little story that opens up within them about what a sage is, and it allows the... um, it allows this body of work to be very, very personal. Now, each archetype uh, and the sage itself has a list of high-value gifts that I've identified, plus a mantra and a soul desire, a purpose and a shadow. But um, there are also, you know, your connection with the sage uh, may reveal other high-value gifts. So uh, the archetypes are like, they hold a whole belt of superpowers of gifts. And there's three archetypes for each one of the planets, and then one for the north and one for the south node of the moon. So I was grateful when the archetypes showed up. And then I was told I needed to create these cards. And the cards really uh, address a different part of our psyche, a different part of our hearts, um, pictures, you know, can speak louder than words in a lot of ways. So um, I collaborated with a very talented artist, Emma McGuire, and we created these Sacred Wealth Code Oracle cards as well. There's a synchronicity, uh, Jim and Prema, happening with us drawing this card because prior to um, your main guest segment, we were talking about the upcoming Starworks USA UFO Symposium. Uh, this November in Laughlin, Nevada. And there's a major focus at this event on the wisdom of Native Americans. And so I'm looking at the card and suddenly it dawns upon me when I take the, the word sage and think of the teachings of Native Americans, one of the ways that they purify and or uh, do a ceremony is by the burning of sage. And it's a very sacred herb to them. So of all the cards I could have picked out to follow that segment, this is speaking to me in, uh, in more than one level, the sage. And I, I, I love that. Can I just say one thing, Jim, which is you, that is such a great example of that's exactly like these are meant, and this whole body of work has a life of its own. I channeled this, so it's not even really mine. It just came through me. And and it, and it it's a timeless and it has a lot of doorways, let's put it that way. And so when you let it, it will speak to you and open up what you need to or you'll see what's what's best for you in it, which you just did such a great example of. So thank you. And we we're in a, a part of the country where this Native American wisdom, even if we don't uh, consciously recognize it, it's all around us. These were the people uh, that were here before the... Uh, white settlers moved in. And so, yeah, this is very meaningful to me. The truth will set 
me free. And that's a big deal right now with people saying, you know, what is truth? Is there more than one truth? <laughs> and so that's an interesting take on this. Um, and again, congratulations to your artists. These are just gorgeous. Wow. Um, yeah, I, I have all the hand paintings in my office. They're all around me. They're, they're gorgeous. Yeah. Oh, I bet. Um, how does Vedic astrology figure into your work now with sacred wealth codes? So in Vedic astrology, there is a principle of where you find purpose planets. When someone's looking for wealth, where's wealth in my chart? Well, there's something called Dana Yoga. And that's where per- your purpose planets are in connection with your prosperity planets. Um, and sometimes we're looking at it in a multitude of ways, but I'm just going to leave it there so I don't geek out on you too much. So where your purpose and prosperity plans, those relationships, is where we find wealth, which I find so beautiful because, again, the purpose is intrinsically connected to wealth. And again, like I said, wealth is everything we need to fulfill our purpose. And the way that plays out in your Vedic astrology chart is you have three purpose houses, and they're all followed by wealth houses. So again, you What's the wealth that you need, Um, be it resources, and we equate that to money in our culture, but that's not it. It, It's the relationships. It's the um, whatever, like, resources you need in order to fill your purpose, the time, the freedom. Uh, You know, it's very, very personal. So the Vedic astrology really helps us to understand, you know, where are my, again, where is that, those, where are those prosperity, um, purpose connections in my chart and because of cultural conditioning as we were talking about earlier and many other things we are not always focusing on what really is our highest value and we're maybe complaining about well we're not being recognized or we don't know what it is to do or i'm not sure where to put my time my energy my purpose that'll be really meaningful for me well and also, like I was, stuck in doing just what I'm really good at, because a lot of times, I'll just use a classic example, um, a child is very interested in art, or a young person, they want to go to art college or something, and a parent is saying, business school, baby, you're not going to make any money with art, you know, and and there's a whole pathway that's really theirs that maybe never gets to be explored. So um, the Vedic astrology is the premise, it's the, the baseline, and then this work sprang out of that because I kept seeing, hmm, that's really where people's highest value gifts are, and that's how I found, you know, some of my own highest value gifts. And so with your work with people, um, I'm thinking now of a, a young person who is still in school and really wondering about uh, their life purpose. Um, they know what they love to do. They know what they um, have been told that they're supposed to do. And they're trying to, um, you know, maintain hope that there's going to be a tomorrow and things um, that flow to them. Uh, would this person be a likely candidate to discover at that early age their own sacred wealth code? Oh, absolutely. And I... Um all my kiddos are in their late 20s, uh, and I always feel so blessed to work with young people at any age, and I have over the years. 
it is so wonderful to help a young person understand why. What gives them the deeper meaning in life and how is that connected to some of the ways that they might explore using their gifts to really find their own path in doing that. Uh, and I even have one of my um, clients, he's a he's a <clears throat> accountant and a musician, and he is always getting sacred wealth codes for his family and has for his nephews who are like, I think like 10 and 12 or whatever, because again, he's just like, oh, people need to know this a lot. They need to know it and they need to know it early early in life. It just opens up, again, a lot more choices for them. Um, How does one then discover their own personal sacred wealth code? So there's two ways. I wrote the book as a self-discovery for your sacred wealth code. It is a journey. Uh, It is a workbook. It's a playbook. It's a journal. I ask you very deep questions for you to really understand um, what your wealth dream is, what your purpose for wanting wealth is, what your passions are. I help you identify what some of your high-value gifts currently are, and also your greatest challenges because those are gateways. And then once you go through that process, you learn a lot about yourself, and you then are instructed to read through all the different archetypes. The full descriptions are in the book, and to see which ones resonate with you. And I even talk about intuition in the book and some other principles. Uh, which ones resonate with you if you're really telling yourself the truth, which I, that's my question for the back door of getting right into the soul. If I really tell myself the truth, does this archetype really embody my highest value gifts, even if I'm not exactly sure what they are? Most sacred wealth codes have three to five archetypes within it. Uh, the other way is to get a sacred wealth code reading from me and I'll I will um, you'll get a beautiful printout of which of your archetypes if you choose to get a live reading you'll get that and you'll also and some training as well and then you'll also um, have some time with me to ask your specific questions about that so there's so there's there's two ways to do it but all I want I do want to say this that all the archetypes live within us whether they are part of our sacred wealth code or not mm-hmm. and uh, uh- when you uh, do the the horoscope chart, uh, and I'm, I'm trying to use the right terms here, okay. using your, your training in Vedic astrology, um, what do you need from the individual? Uh, I understand that you know the, the actual birth time and location of birth is important. What if people uh, sort of know it but actually don't? So I need the place you were born, the time you were born, the date you were born. If you don't know, most people know where they were born. Right. Uh, and if you don't know what time you were born, luckily in Vedic astrology, uh, sometimes I'll ask some questions that can help with that. Um, and there's a whole practice in Vedic astrology we call chart rectification, and that's a little longer involved practice. But what I, um, there's a way that I can read your chart from, um, we read the chart from the moon as well. And... So there's a time we set it at noon, and we can read the chart and find the sacred wealth code from from a different avenue from the moon. And in fact, in Vedic astrology, again, not to geek out on you too much, we actually are always, we look at things through 
many different windows to say, oh, well, it looks like that from here. How does it look from over here? Yep, looks like that from over here and over here too. So, and then I do want to say too that I am a very humanistic astrologer. I'm here to help you understand your soul choices, more of who you are and what your potential is and the timing around um, some of those choices uh, as opposed to prediction because I do believe that prediction can rob people of choice as things are always changing in the moment and we do have free will. Uh, the uh, financier and uh, uh, business person, J.P. Morgan, made a statement one time that I thought was interesting. He said, um, millionaires don't use astrology, billionaires do. Yep, and yeah, and I've studied J.P. Morgan's chart and such. Yes, there are some people throughout time, because Vedic astrology has been around for a long time, uh, who have seen the wisdom of um, that there's energy playing that at play that people may not be able to see, just like the par- that's what the paranormal is. Um, so yes, there are people who have relied on that astrology. And the way I use timing is in this way. So we have what I call celestial weather. For instance, right now, we have um, Jupiter's just changing signs. This J- Jupiter rules the sage. It's just changing signs in Vedic astrology from Libra to Scorpio. That's a good shift, and it was good in Libra, and it's good for different things in both. But right now, it's a little unstable because it's not fully in the degrees of where we can really feel its energy right now. So there's a there's a shift happening. And it's and so it might be unsteady for somebody, or they might be feeling that, but it's not going to last. This, this one will only last for a few days. Good information to have. Now, somebody who were um, Jupiter, the sage, um, the teacher and the visionary, those are all archetypes of Jupiter, moving into the constellation of Scorpio uh, is going to present a very different energy than it did in Libra. And for someone, like I have a couple of clients who have been waiting for this transit, for instance, because their ascendant happens to be Scorpio, and Jupiter was great in their 12th house, helping them understand more of their spiritual truths. But now it's going to be in a place where it can really, they can take that information and expand it within themselves and within the world. So, the timing and knowing the timing of things, of when the shifts are happening, like the summer was really wonky with all those eclipses we had, and we had Mars and Mercury involved with those. So we know that, okay, well, maybe it's not the time to open um, that new part of my business during those months. Let us let me look when the weather is going to be better for that. What are the conditions? Because, I, you know, we can still do it but during that time, but we might need to do it differently because it's going to be more challenging during that time. And then there's times when the wind is at your back and you want to spread your sails and just go, just go with whatever you want. Uh, so uh, people have heard about astrology, the study of, of uh, planets, uh, especially as they relate to a person's birth. And um, that doesn't set in stone a parameter for one's life. It gives people uh, guidelines and helps them to understand perhaps choices that will come to them and or that they're experiencing uh, right now. Is that a fair assessment? It it is. I really believe that it really helps them to understand themselves Mm -hmm. and some of the soul choices that they've made, uh, which includes some of the challenges they've chosen to take on to, to grow with. 
uh, I, I look at it that we're always at free will. So maybe, like I chose at some level, I have planets in a lot of the spiritual houses, which are a lot of the hard houses. It means you're going to go through what the ego is going to call loss, but the um, <clears throat> the spiritual side of yourself will call transcendence. Well, that loss, I can see all the gifts that that gave me, and that transcendence happened pretty young in life for me because I was able to surrender to it. Uh, having known more of that earlier might have been useful. Uh, but we're always at we're always always at choice, and so again, like I said before, even when we know, okay, um, this is a good. It's good to know with what you're going through and what you're experiencing, what it's a good time for, and I and I love that part of helping people understand. Okay, well, this is a good this is a good time for um, personal growth, and I understand you want to make or you need to make this much money. So let's how can we do that and still honor your personal growth? It is not set in stone where. Um, I suppose if you were going to not make any choices consciously, uh, you might look back and find that, yeah, you probably followed the trajectory of your, uh, of your chart, but I don't believe it as, and I don't see it as, I see it alive. I don't see it as just this, you know, static destiny. I really see it as, um, um, living and, and breathing because the cosmos is living and breathing. There's a great movie, folks, uh, with the comedian and actor Bill Murray that surprised the heck out of me when I saw it. It's called The Razor's Edge. Mm-hmm. And it's a, uh, based upon a book by Somerset Maugham that was written a long time ago about uh, uh, World War I and guys from affluent families that were being championed to go over to Europe and drive an ambulance. This is before the U.S. entered the war. And they had these big, uh, gay, wonderful parties, uh, festivities. Uh, these wealthy families got together and bought a brand new ambulance and outfitted these guys with uniforms. They were going to be part of the expeditionary force and lots of drinking and celebration. And then these guys went with their vehicle across the Atlantic and then they experienced the stage upon stage upon stage of the true behind the curtains look at at war and it turned bill Murray, murray rather the actor into a guy that he had to he had to confront this to to go on so he uh, began to deeply study spiritual traditions and the, the point I'm bringing myself to here, Prema, is that there's a scene in the movie that's always been pivotal for me, that he is in a hut on top of a mountain, and he has become very, very wise, if not enlightened, uh, but there's a final step yet. And he's actually tearing pages out of a book and lighting them to try to stay warm. So he's right there on the cusp of survival of life and death. He's got all this great knowledge, but he's basically a hermit shut off from the world. And he realizes that he's got to take what he's learned and re-enter the world. Um, he can't be apart from it. He's got to be, because that's why, that's why he's here. And my message, and I'd like to have you comment on this, is that we don't live in glass houses, it's important for us to evolve 
mentally, emotionally, physically, spiritually, but we have to be in humanity. We have to be in the mix. Could you comment on that? Yeah, I completely agree. And it was a great movie, actually, and thanks for bringing that up. Uh, a great demonstration of that. Yes. So we, I, I call it living from soul to soul. Mm-hmm. from our soul down to the soles of our feet. We, we are really here to, we've got to come into embodiment. And knowledge is one thing, but knowledge experienced is is really truly what wisdom is. And what you know, and, I work, and I'm, I'm really faced with this because I work with a lot of um, conscious people who know a lot, but they have not. They tend to come to me when they have not been able to really like move it down through like their cells and move it down through their body and make and create in their life or influence life with what it is that they know. They're not living it basically. So we really have to come into full, I believe, I believe, that's my belief, we're here to come into full embodiment of who we are on the inside and, you know, our expression of that. But we need to move it through our bodies and be it. And so be it also looks like doing it, but being it is really the important part of that. And if you and you all have something to give, and if you're not giving it, not only are you sitting on a gold mine, um, that's you're not going to get to access very well. But then you need to put those gifts in motion. We're all. I really imagine a world where we're all in our using our highest value gifts, which means we're all essentially gifting each other. We don't all need to do everything, and we're in a culture where it's like that. We're all doing way too many things. But if we can really um, be in our gifts and embody our gifts and give those and do those, whether we're creating a business from that or um, we're serving our family or however that, that plays out, not only are we taking our gifts and our knowledge and moving it through our body and coming into our full uh, development, but that's where all the fun starts to happen. That's where you're like interacting with energy, interacting with the world, and that's where so much more gets created than you could have ever imagined. You might even think you want like this sum of money or this house or whatever, but when you start engaging with all this, like you will be so so wonderfully surprised at what shows up and how other people also are touched and affected. We can, folks. Um get from point A to point B, our birth to our death, by reacting to uh, every crisis, little C and big C, every crisis we have, uh, or we can start to use our gifts, our guidance, our intuition to help us anticipate where a change is going to be needed and Prima, I met some spiritual teachers year ago that, years ago rather, that that on a piece of paper they drew kind of a uh, uh, zigzag line, if you will, and they had you know here's where you come into this place, this existence, and here's where you you leave, and you can see it's not a straight line, mm-hmm. and so we we're following that first part of that line until there is a jog and so these teachers said how many people have you seen around you that come up to that jog and instead of following the flow and adapting and shifting and staying with the flow they stay right there and they try to 
hammer through the wall. And you can almost see it in their facial expressions and the way that they carry themselves. They're becoming hardened, flattened. Um, They are out of the flow trying to, to repetitively beat through the wall as opposed to saying, okay, I just need to shift here and now I'm back in the flow. And so they, they tried to help people understand that there are ways to come in contact with that guidance that both helps you to prepare for that shift, that change of direction. It alerts you that one's coming up. And as we full circle come around to talking about something that you and I initially brought up, how to trust yourself to make those decisions to be able to stay in the flow. Could you comment upon that, that life is a zigzag? Yeah, Yeah, thank you. Well, you know, (laughs) this is going to sound so cliche, so just hang on for a second, folks. You know, know, it's about the journey. It actually is about the journey. And I believe that that zigzag that we're going through is really, we're going through the um, different experiences or presented with the different experiences and choices in our life so that we can pick up the pieces of ourselves that maybe we forgot about, uh, really so that we come back into our wholeness. And in order to stay in that flow, you do have to listen. You do have to pay attention to energy. When we cut off from energy, when we cut off from our hearts, which I use and believe is such a great access point to our soul and to that energy, you are, again, robbing yourself of of your path and of experience and making it a lot harder for yourself. Um, That becoming separate from the source of our being, whatever words you use for that, is where you will um, get to one of those places and just keep trying to hammer through. We need to, uh, and I see it in Vedic astrology, like we have soul cycles and a whole other level where I can say, oh, well, this is the cycle you're in, but here's, and it's changing constantly. And when you understand that, oh, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to change here. We're going to shift here. We're going to turn here. We're going to turn here. And just like sailing, and I'm a sailor, and, and we'll eventually get wherever it is we're going, which we don't actually even know exactly yet. But how do you know? Like when you're sailing, you've got to have your hands on the tiller, your hands on the wheel. You've got to feel when it's time to tack. You've got to feel when you have to make that turn or or shift or make a new choice to change courses. So you have to be able to feel. You have to be able to sense what's going on. That means you have to disengage from your just your being in your head and what you're thinking should happen as opposed to what is paying attention to the energy, what really is happening. So how that plays into trust and how I teach people is to be able just to drop the mind simply into your heart. And everyone right now could just put your hand on your heart. And if you're not driving, close your eyes and take a couple of deep, full breaths. And invite your mind just to drop right down into your heart. And we're doing this in a very laser quick way. But if there's something that you are really wanting to know, uh, to know about. Just let this question drop into your heart and just notice what comes up for you, whether it's words, an image, a feeling. And the question would be, pertaining to what it is that you're asking about, is if I tell myself the truth, what is it my heart wants for me right now? And you can always just ask that as an open-ended question in itself. And whatever it is your heart's wanting for you, if you then ask, well, what's one inspired action I could take to support myself in that? And you open up to what that is, 
and some of you are having that pop up for you right now, and you actually do that, you do that thing, <laughs> you will start to really build your trust muscle on that inner guidance. So that I have, all my work has that, and that's in the book, and there's actually a portal in my book mm-hmm. where you can go online and have all of these practices that I do in the book. Um, I lead you through them all on video and audio. But that simple practice every day of tuning in to what your heart even wants for you and taking that inspired action will, again, exercise that trust muscle for you. So when you really need to use it, you're already in a good condition to use it. It's not this big jump for you. Yeah, and that's, folks, to echo what Prema just said, this is so important for you to practice it, quote-unquote, before you need to use it. Because you're going to have plenty of need for it, as you already know from looking at your life. Um, We're going to take the bottom of the hour break, and Jim... I've got these uh, cards here, these beautiful oracle cards again shuffled. Mm-hmm. I'd like to have you pick a card and hand it to me. Oh, now. And we're thinking about trust and guidance, and we're thinking about the highest and best for our listening audience, for Jim and I and for Prima. Mm-hmm. And, oh, this is interesting. What is it? This is the communicator. Oh, Parentheses, Mercury. Words have power. It's, uh, it's interesting. We'll be right back with our special guest, Prema Lee Guerreri. She's the author of Your Sacred Wealth Code, Unlock Your Soul Blueprint for Purpose and Prosperity, and these gorgeous cards, Your Sacred Wealth Code Oracle Cards. I'm Scott Colborn with Jim Shorney, and you guys and gals... Happy birthday, Exploring Unexplained Phenomena. We'll be right back. Voice of the Blues in Lincoln, Nebraska, KZUM Lincoln and KZUM HD. Support for This Week in Lincoln comes from The Bay, The Bourbon Theater, Duffy's Tavern, and The Zoo Bar. This is live music happening this week in Lincoln. Today, Saturday, October 13th, brings Crash Cuddle and Mobius to The Zoo Bar at 930 and the Bourbon Theater hosts Desert Noises with Morning Teleportation and Freakabout at 9. That's live music happening this week in Lincoln. My name is Manny Morales. I'm 45 and I coach youth football. It's still hard to believe because the high school me was a work in progress. But big brothers, big sisters give me a real role model. And the young me needed a role model bad. My bigger brother's name is Ray, and Ray is the reason that this seven-year-old grows up to be a role model himself. Whether you donate money or time, you're helping Big Brothers Big Sisters help a child. Start something today at BigBrothersBigSisters.org. Brought to you by Big Brothers Big Sisters and the Ad Council. Far from the din of commercial culture and just this side of the abstract is a place I call Mesoterra. I'm Vic Valverde, your tour guide for an eclectic musical excursion on a program called Mesoterra. 
Saturdays, 12 noon until 1.30, right here on KZUM. from the band Enigma. See them around southeast Nebraska. They were the official music for the Exploring Unexplained Phenomena radio show. Our guest next week is Carol Fleet, an eloquent, vivacious, intelligent. She's always a joy to have on the program. Loss is a four-letter word, a bereavement boot camp for the widowed. And uh, stay tuned next week. Some great information from Carol Fleet. I just told Jim off mic that I've been busy setting up uh, guests, and we're now scheduling February of 2019. There's going to be a 2019 because I've already seen the calendars printed, so. <laughs> um, Promo, the card that we drew right before the break is important to me. Um, Jim and I were discussing the symbolism and the synchronicity of the card, the communicator. Um, Years ago, I did a, a bit of counseling with a very gifted person, and they reminded me that part of kind of what I'm doing, my work, is to 
help people plant seeds and to help them in terms of how to nurture themselves and those seeds so they can watch them grow um, ideas and sharing things and that's what we do here on the show mm-hmm. we communicate those things we're communicators absolutely <clears throat> absolutely we've got the uh, the end of the show approaching here Prima so um, I'd like to cover some things that are important to you that you're sitting there in your home and yet we're also part of this this conversation that stretches all over the world right now with people listening from all over the world live and later on on the archive what are some of the issues right now that that our friends listening are dealing with and how come how can their sacred wealth code help them understand these issues to work through them to the highest and best good for each of them? Mm, great, rich question. So I'm going to slide back here to the sage for a moment and the truth will, will set me free. Mm-hmm. I think there is a, a big um, collective yearning uh, for the truth and there's a lot of people who you know feel like they know what theirs is but there's a lot of people that are confused about what the truth is or maybe their truth has been shaken or what even to believe and what not to believe uh and when will we see um let's say the the truth really play out because there's a lot of untruth playing out so i want to remind everyone that again what you your truth um, your gifts, your purpose, all plays a part in the collective whole. So I believe that we're all, you know, reflecting a, we're all one. And so, and I don't say that lightly either, you know. Um, and essentially, we all are connected and expressing and in different ways. But your participation in what you think, what you do, what you believe is all it's all reflective and it's all a part of things. So it's easy to look outside of ourselves with so much chaos going on. And But if you take the time to look inside of yourself and really understand what your sacred wealth code is, really understand what your highest value gifts are, and begin to trust yourself and listen closer and how you're going to use them and how you're going to collaborate with the other important uh, people and communities in your life to use them and to support them. And then you are, and again, not to be cliche, you know, but you are part, you're being the change. You're, you're, you're not powerless. You are not powerless at all, even though it may seem that way at times. But the more that each and every one of us hones in on our energy, on our purpose, on, as my daddy would say, living squeaky clean with ourselves, you know, (laughs) being really congruent in our choices and who we say we are, who we feel we are, and how we are presenting and what our actions we're taking in the world. Like, if everyone was to do that and be squeaky clean with ourselves, we would not have the issues, a lot of the issues we have now. Uh, And we also have extra bandwidth to take care of those who don't and those who need. Uh, So... um, just find one of your gifts, whether you step into my work or not, but just get really honest with yourself. What's one of your high-value gifts that either you're not currently using or you could be using more fully 
and make a choice to focus on that, uh, develop that. I mean, it's, it's your high-value gifts you already have a Ph.D. in. But here's the thing. It's an expanding universe. And as you continue to engage with those parts of yourself, those aspects of self, they will continue to expand. It's like when I sit down to write... Um, I may have an idea of what I'm writing, but when I sit down, the the whole process, inter- I, it's an interaction, and what comes through is always much different than uh, maybe what I had thought about, because I can only think so deeply. So that interaction of you using your gifts is going to continue to expand and change. You will never never get bored. Your skills, your gift will grow and present itself in ways you have never imagined. And you can be of such great service, which will allow you to be very connected with your deeper meaning. And when we're all connected with our deeper meaning or our purpose, why we're doing anything, then um, that, that pulls us forward. Your purpose will always pull you forward instead of checking out given up and um, or just complaining about the state of affairs. Mm-hmm. When those of us, ladies and gentlemen, have a really crappy day, it's easy to forget that sometimes we have these experiences to allow us to check in with ourselves to sort of see how we're doing. Um. It gives us a chance to, again, be in that mix of humanity. Uh, And when I'm driving down the road and a guy cuts me off and then wants to give me this weird hand signal that he holds up in in his car window, um, it gives me a chance to not play into that, to not react to that, but to stay in who I am and not be drawn into somebody else's drama. And there's plenty of that going on. Folks, as a corollary to what Prem has been talking about, um, I started playing guitar when I was 12. And I got good at it, had buddies that I joined with. We had a rock band. We did some touring around the uh, the Midwest. We had a lot of fun. And then uh, for about 20 years, I got sidetracked in business and then marriage and starting to raise a family. In 1995, I had Prema a reawakening that deep down I was and am a guitar player. Mm. I can be a lot of other things too, but that was one of my high-value gifts. And it was because I watched a late-night Tom Petty rockumentary where he said, never give up. Mm. You know, that joy, that bliss, that you know what that is, that dream perhaps, never give up, hold on to that, because that has an interesting way of playing out as you get older. So I re-embraced in 1995 the fact that I was a guitar player, and Prema, it felt like I had been holding my breath underwater for 20 years, and I was emerging for that first incredibly wonderful breath of fresh air. I was uh, I was being reborn. Beautiful, and and thank you so much for sharing that. Because again, it it that's a great analogy. It does feel like you're well. You can see this reflectively, like you're holding your breath when you're denying. Uh, an energy. Your mm-hmm. gifts are just an energy that wants to flow through you in a particular way, yeah. and. 
Um, and when you deny that, you know, whether you're using your gifts, uh, don't get hung up on using your gifts to make money. But if you use your gifts, you, it will enhance your life and your overall prosperity will grow. Mm-hmm. And it's not always a direct line, you know, drawing a straight line to it. A lot of times, sometimes there's the parts of our gifts that are the fuel that keep us, uh, our channels open and and alive and really in that vibrancy that we're able to uh, use our other gifts and see the opportunities in front of us. And now, Prima, let's talk to some of the older people uh, in the audience listening live and also uh, with the archive program that will be posted in about a week. One of the things that we can do as older people is to walk our talk, is to model this for people around us that are just starting to get a sense of all of this. And I'm not trying to be too wishy-washy, but it's so easy oh, for I, a I lot do. of us to, to, um, to talk the talk, but then we choose to not walk part of the walk. We, we don't want to model the behavior. Uh, and I think it's so important to be authentic and to do that because then it allows other people in your family, in your circle of friends, in your, your peer group to see Here's somebody who uh, really believes and is doing what they are really good at and what they get great joy and fulfillment from. And wow, if they can do it, I can do it too. Can you have, Prema, just a couple of minutes here to talk to those older people about the importance yeah. of integrating this and then walking, walking the talk? Yeah, um, I I echo that strongly. Walking the talk, I think so much of what we're here to develop is our authenticity, which includes our integrity and our congruence, which then a lot of times I'll just call that alignment. But when you are, when you're walking your talk, when you are being that integrated, as we talked earlier, like embodying what it is that you do know, and and, uh, and it's a giving to the world when you're doing that, uh, you can feel it. You can feel someone uh, who walks in the room who is congruent, um, who's not just, or when you're going, say you're going to a talk or something, and you're hearing them talking about all kinds of things, but whether they're living that, you can actually feel that. So as a collective, it's a very, very important thing, whether you can see the, rep- um, the reflection of that or not. It is felt, um, and if we're all in alignment, that is an incredibly important. But you have a direct effect. Like, I, parent, I've parented four children. I still am parenting four children. And I know that how I am is direct, you know, my, that has a huge influence on my kids. My kids are millennials. And I think one of the big issues with millennials is that they've lost the deeper meaning in life or they aren't seeing it or they aren't having it modeled to them. Yep. Uh, my kids have done really well. So I think that they're, um, they've, and they have found it for themselves. But that is one of the ways that we can steer that sector of the culture who needs it so much is to see where, you know, what does even purpose look like? And then, and what does it feel like? Because they don't have a lot of hope right now. Right. And they need it. And those of us who have it, we need to give it back. We really need to give it back, again, by walking your talk, by being congruent. You can't just sit and meditate all morning and, and, and you know, <laughs> nope. be 
in grace and then get up and flip somebody off. You know, you just, you have to live congruently or else you just kind of negated everything you just did. It's been a joy uh, and a pleasure uh, on many levels to talk with you. Thank you so much, Prema, for sharing uh, your wisdom as a authentic wounded healer with my audience. And uh, I wish you the highest and best good. Thank you so much. It was really a pleasure on many levels to be here. And I want to just thank you so much for the work that you're doing here in the world, too. Our guest has been Prema Lee Guerreri. She's the author of Your Sacred Wealth Code, Unlock Your Soul Blueprint for Purpose and Prosperity. And uh, as I read her book this week, I reflected that this would be a really excellent book again to give to that young person who is still in school uh, and is starting to voice the idea about, you know, what should I do with my life? Where should I apply my life? Um, what should I be about? Um, how can I enjoy what I'm doing? Um, how can I make a lot of money and yet still be authentic and like myself in the morning? So Prema's website is Solutionary, and that's S-O-U-L, the word soul, U-T-I-O-N-A-R-Y, solutionary.com. You'll also find Prema Lee Guerreri on Facebook. Her last name is spelled G-U-R-R-E-R-I. Our special guest today, Prema Lee Guerreri, on Exploring Unexplained Phenomena. Next week is Carol Fleet, and the book that she's got coming out is Loss is a Four-Letter Word, a Bereavement Boot Camp for the Widowed. Um... Eloquent, vivacious, intelligent. Always a pleasure to talk with Carol, Carol Fleet. Two weeks from today, Jim, a special program Ooh, of ghost stories. That our, time of year again. Halloween show. Yeah. And we'll be dispelling a lot of myths about the paranormal in mm -hmm. that show. We I'm will. looking forward to that. Three weeks from today. Seems like this is, month is flying by. It is. I'm going to be talking to everybody live from the Starworks USA UFO Symposium. Cool. Lots of programs coming up that are great to listen to, including this next one. Yeah. With Vic. Vic's in the house. Mesoterra, a he's, great program of music. I always enjoy his themes that he's got. I wonder mm -hmm. what he's got in store for us he's today. He's always got a big smile on his face, too. <laughs> uh, ladies and gentlemen, again, thanks so much for listening. Have a great weekend out there. Until next week, walk in beauty.